All right, all right. Welcome back to Check the Kick podcast, found on SureDog.com. Pretty cool website. Check it out. I'm back. I also have a special guest back, friend of mine, Greg. I'm going to ask you how you're doing like we haven't been talking for about 30 minutes. Hey, Dev. How's it going, man? Everything's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's good. I'm glad you're back. I'm going to try to keep you around for the pay-per-views in the future. Big, big card coming up. But before we move to 291, we got to talk about UFC London this past weekend. Um, Main event winner, Tommy Aspinall. Round one knockout, knocks out Tybora, calls a shot. He looked great, better than ever, like you said before. Tell me what you think about Tom Aspinall um, and his performance. I thought it was fucking awesome. It was great. I thought it was great. Um, you know, coming into the fight, everybody wanted to see how he how he looked after the injury. Obviously, he had the, the bad knee injury. And not only did he... Um, not only did he look, you know, fully healed and, and ready to go, but he had made a bunch of improvements and also got bigger. I think this might have been the the most he weighed ever. I think he was at 258, 258 still had the yeah. quickness, looked really light on his feet. Obviously, the great hands, um, super impressive performance. Uh, not only did he, like I mentioned, not only did he look healed, but he looked even better. So he has been uh, making a lot of improvements. I know. In the post fight, he credited uh, the time off, uh, said it enabled him to um, kind of get his life together a little bit, mentally renewed focus, that type of thing, um, which is really interesting because I think he definitely brought it Saturday night and definitely showed that he had um, he had made some significant improvements since then. And now, um, I mean, looking forward, he's got, uh, you know, he's the talk of the town <laughs> yeah the world is his oyster right now um everyone likes tom aspinall i don't know anyone that doesn't like him he's a likable dude um he really checks all the boxes this is not he, he's not like a molly mccann or or, or a you know patty the batty where they have a lot of popularity but maybe their actual skills as an mma fighter is not on that same level however as much as you might like him when it comes to Tom Aspinall, he's also a bad mofo. Um, right. Dude's a killer. I put this in the sure dog slack, and I do believe he's, I think he's the fastest heavyweight I've ever seen. Yeah. The dude is a bolt of lightning. Not even just his hand speed, but he does everything pretty well. He's a little bit, he has some de- defensive holes. I saw there was a couple combinations. Well, really, you know, they, they, Credit Tybor with landing four significant strikes, I believe. But there was one moment where they're exchanging right in the pocket. Tom Aspinall hits him with like a four-punch combination. I think it was the second exchange I got into. Tybor caught him with a a short hook in that exchange. Mind Mm -hmm. you, Tom Aspinall's hands were so fast that he was able to land a four-punch combination. (laughs) Tybor landed one within. However, a potential next opponent might only need one shot to put you on skates. Um... And that's Sergey Pavlovich. Like, John Jones doesn't have one punch power. Francis Ngannou's gone. He's not fighting dudes like Derek Lewis or Tai Tuivasa. Those guys are behind him. Um, but a guy ahead of him, Pavlovich can make him pay in those situations. What I love from him was, um, and he's done this to two people now, and um, it's a tactic Darren Till like used to like used to like to use. However, Tom Aspinall is definitely better than Darren Till. Um, is that 
at range, his speed, his ability to get into the pocket, crash the pocket, and just throw that short elbow, that was what started, you know, everything. That also started, you know, Tybura's downfall there was right. just that step and elbow. He did the same thing to Spivak as well. Um, we'll talk about Spivak later on. Um, but he he crushed Tybura with that shot, hit him with another combination. Tybura drops to the ground, hits him with ground and pound. Ref couldn't get there fast enough. Um, he is got good hands and and, and one he may have be just as good of a striker and have just as good speed and power as someone like Pavlovich, but he's also a BJJ and a grappling ace. Like right. what he did to Volkov. He's a problem. Like it the he is that guy where he is so well rounded where he can pick what he wants to do. Should he wrestle with John Jones? He probably could. Could he strike with John Jones? I think John Jones would be in a world of trouble if he had to only strike with Tom Aspinall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's good, and he's only 28. And I want to go back and and touch on what you said about how he went away, and he's better than better than ever. Like he did not show up looking like Jamal Pogues. Pogues went from a light heavyweight right. to being 266. Tom Aspinall came in bigger than ever. He said it was the most healthy he's ever been. He taking his life outside of the octagon very serious now he's 28 like dude the, the, there's he can only go up from here unless he has another devastating knee injury like and kudos to him because you don't see dudes get knee injuries at heavyweight and come back and look the way he did he, he just looks incredible man the the other thing you know just to build on what you're saying you know, we talk about athletes and, you know, we don't see them maybe for six months injury or not. Right. And the next time we see them, they're either, you know, essentially the same or they've added to their skill sets. Right. Well, improvement can also take place, not just physically and not just skills wise, but also mentally and lifestyle. Um, he attributes a lot of his performance to those changes that he made that when we're not talking about added skills or techniques or anything like that. So, it's uh, interesting to note that, you know, improvements can take place in uh, many different areas, the mental game, lifestyle, those types of things, and, and really um, make a difference on uh, as they did on Saturday night. Totally. Everything came together for him. Um, he, he killed it on the mic. He told Bisbing, give me that microphone. Bisbing did his job and held on to that thing. He didn't let it go, but um, <laughs> I just... He's got the shortest fast time out of five fights in the UFC. The shortest he's got. It's him and then Sergey Pavlovich right behind him. Um, he's just, I don't even, there's not much to say because there's two average, two and like two minutes, 15 seconds or something like that of average fight time. Like there, we, we don't even have a lot to talk about. Um, one thing we haven't seen him is we haven't seen anyone force him really on the back foot. We haven't seen him have to fight off the back foot yet, but the dudes that are ahead of him can potentially make him do that. So we will see. I'm excited about it. Um, he, he looked great. He just did everything right. His range was good. His speed was good. His boxing was good. Um, his step in elbow is probably my favorite strike that he throws. Mm -hmm. um, as far as what's next for him, um, we will talk about that in our second segment. But I do like his call outs. I like what he said. He said, give me the win. He's like, I'm going to France. I'm sitting in the front row of Paris. I'm going to be there. Winner of gone and Spivak. Give me that person. I'm going to beat them. Then I'm going to beat John Jones. I like it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, 
Anything else on that one? I think you covered it. I think uh, that's pretty good. The one thing, though, I would like to add is um, you talked about the average fight time, and it's interesting because, you know, his next fight could potentially be a five-rounder, you know, and you're going from two-minute fight time to we really haven't seen many rounds. We haven't seen many rounds from him. Um, this one was scheduled for five, too. Incredible. So, he, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. if, if it – I if get what you're done, saying. Yeah, yeah. Put it – until it matters, it doesn't matter, I guess, for him. Right. And he hasn't needed it. For me, I'm the guy that's like, he hasn't fought five rounds. He needs to prove it. But he's proven to me that he can do this in two and a half minutes. Dude, if he comes, imagine if he did what he did. We won't go on this too much longer, but imagine if he makes, highly unlikely, but if he makes John Jones look like Tybura, that'd be incredible. He would be like, just imagine that. Um, right. And he's he's got all the tools. I, w- I would love to see that matchup in the future. I'm not saying he would do that. I'm just saying, imagine if he did, how incredible that would be for the UFC. Um, moving on to something that was not that incredible for the UFC or the fans. We have Molly McCann losing um, via first round armbar to Julia Stolyarenko. Julia Stolyarenko has had issues on the scale before i was surprised she looked as good as she did on the scales and i was even more surprised she looked as good as she did in the fight but here we are i wanted to break this one down i chose this one because i i do think it was a good performance and um she silenced the crowd pretty cool like she just beat molly everywhere i think i think she even beat her on the feet up until that transition um but her arm her transition to arm bar like that's her move. That's her thing. She's good at it. She started, uh, she pressured her right from the jump. And um, that was not a good fight. That was over quickly. And there's two fights in a row now with Molly where um, she hits the ground and, and it's over. Yeah, it, it was, Molly was having trouble with the reach. Yeah. Um, she was totally having trouble with that. You could definitely tell that she was having a lot of trouble with the reach. Um, Julia's first takedown, Stolyarenko's first takedown, like worked immediately. She took her back. He, she sunk in the triangle, transitioned from trying, like she baited Molly into it. She wants you to take top position. Like that's her whole entire game. Like it, it was right there. Herzog, it took Herzog quite a while to kind of jump in too, I think. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised about that. Um, I think it was like seven taps before, um, before that that before that happened. It's a tough. Not- it's a tough job, but you'd think that there'd be a little bit more anticipation when there's a specialist like that uh, in the in the position um, locking it in. Just uh, you hate to see excessive damage. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, Molly's kind of getting shit on by a lot of the UFC fans and a lot of stuff right now. And I don't think she fully deserves that. You know, it's not her fault. She's as big of a name as she is. You know, some of the stuff, some of the stuff she says, some of her antics, you know, like the way she came into the, to the ceremonial weigh-ins and everything like that was, you know, for me, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit much for me personally, but at the same time, you know, she's doing what she's got to do to sell fights and make money. Um, so you don't, you don't hate on her for that, but, uh, big wake-up call for her too and i I find it a little bit unfortunate she posted today on her social media saying you know basically i lost everyone loses whatever the typical thing that they say but um one of her main points was that 
you know, she's tired of being the smallest person in the division and she wants to drop down to 115. You and I took a look at the top 115. I looked at the top 20, looked at the top 15 right now. And um, Molly, if she thinks she's going to make some sort of title run or some sort of she's thinks she's going to make some dent into the top 15 or top 20, it's full of girls that can wrestle and girls that have BJJ. Yeah. Still girls that are probably a little bit bigger, bigger than her besides like Carla Sparza and Tabitha Ritchie. Right. Both of those girls will out wrestle Molly. Um, so, and it worries me personally, if, if, if you're a fan of Molly and you know, she's thinking the reason why she lost this fight was due to her being too small. That's, you know, was that the same excuse for Blanchfield? Was that the same excuse for all the times you've been out wrestled and grappled? I don't know. Um, hopefully she can figure it out, though, because she's still a big name. Um, they can still throw her on main events or at least, you know, next time she fights, I would not be surprised if she's the top of the prelims still at the O2 Arena somewhere in London, you know? That makes sense. I think she she brings value from that standpoint for sure. Um, you know, it seems like... Uh, she and Patty were so high, you know, not that long ago. And, and now, um, you know, it was exciting when it lasted. It almost feels like a little bit of 15 minutes of fame, but we'll see, we'll see how Patty does. Um, the two of them being joined, I think, you know, definitely has, uh, you look at her last couple performances and maybe you look at his last performance and you're kind of wondering what's next. And he's getting called out, um, because he's so good at marketing himself. Right. And, and building the fight but the performance is what's what's to be determined let's put it that way yeah and we just Slug have to we have to find out slugger not call them out oh god um, <laughs> jesus uh and like he made fun of his haircut right <laughs> like okay <laughs> um awesome. yeah right like i have a bad haircut but yours is worse than mine <laughs> um there should be a belt for that yeah, right. Um, as far as Julia Stolyarenko, um, I don't have her, I don't have the highest dreams for her, but I'm glad she made the weight. I'm glad she looked good. I mean, shit, if she's going to go out there and armbar people in the first round, um, that's fun. Like, if she's going to have this fight and have this game plan over and over again, I don't see why the UFC wouldn't want to keep her around. Um, Maria Agapova's a fun fight. Maria Agapova goes for it. That's where I'm that's kind of what I'm thinking for her next matchup. Um, what about you? I like that. I think that's a good call. And uh, Soli Ranko definitely brought it. I mean, she came with the pressure. She came with purpose. She came with intention. Um, and she got what she wanted, what she came for pretty quickly. Totally. totally. You know? I mean, will she ever scratch the top 15 in that division? Probably not. But will I have fun watching all of her fights if they all look like that? Dude, totally. She, she you know. Um, I'm glad she got the weight in order. She looked fine physically. I'm, yeah. I'm happy for her moving forward. Um, speaking about people and weight cuts, Paul Craig. Um, I think I said one curse word already, but it, it's no longer Paul Craig. It's Paul fucking Craig. Um, second round TKO finish of Andre Muniz in his middleweight debut and if you have not watched this fight and you're listening to this that's kind of surprising but um that freaking stare down 
before the fight started in the octagon where Bruce is in the middle, like trying to separate him. He's, like given, he has like an index card or like a folded napkin, right? And he's like, uh, and um, like Andre Muniz met him, you know, Andre Muniz did not bend over. He didn't show his belly. So like, that was awesome. Uh, we, we like, Paul Craig was just awesome. Saturday night. I would say that was a highlight of the card, a highlight of it. Aspinall definitely stole the show, right? But um, but Paul Craig was a, I mean, that was a highlight of the card. I think everybody, um, everybody was looking forward to that, or there was a lot of talk about that that fight, and especially dropping down in weight, and he looked really good. Um, there's still some things that I think, you know some things to improve or some things to, to address. Um, but he looked great. I mean, he had great body kicks. Um, he took a lot of shots is basically what I was alluding to, like maybe a striking defense, um, you know, might need to dial some things in, but they, they stood up though, essentially the whole first round, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I was, well, Mooney's uh, caught. Mooney's caught a kick. There was like 30, 40 seconds left on the clock, and oh, Mooney, that's right. Mooney's caught a kick. Um, he caught a kick. There's a couple seconds left. Um, into the second round, though, Paul was. Paul Craig was like, you know, screw this. He goes and gets his takedown, which is like, that's a takedown that Mooney's gave up because he's yeah. a BJJ guy. Like he didn't sprawl on that or anything. Paul Craig still is, does not have good takedowns, but. Um, against guys that he is going to be potentially bigger than or equal to is going to make a difference than, you know, look at his... Paul Craig's a big dude in the size discrepancy. I mean, Johnny Walker is gigantic. Yeah. But, like, size and strength discrepancy, like, even Vulcan Uzdemir, like, he couldn't really get much going against him. Um, but this fight, like, Paul Craig looked... Paul Craig looked great. What I liked about it was I've always worried about his durability, but he took all of Muniz's shots... Mooney's is not the hardest puncher in that division at all, but he still can hurt people. He can still bang. He's, and I was, I'm happy that Paul Craig, if you're a Paul Craig fan, you should be excited that he took all the shots from Mooney's, um, gets that takedown, which I, which was, um, he's pressing his wrestling. He's, you know, doing his thing. Um, there was a reversal of position where Mooney's gets on top and then throws that like, um, kind of blatant, Headbutt. Yep. And then after that happened, Paul Craig got that takedown, took him down. Um, there was a scramble. Muniz tried to kind of tried to roll out. Paul Craig ended up passing, passing guard, going for a Dars, gives the Dars up, just retains position, and then starts landing elbows, elbows, switch to punches, and then switch back, switches back to elbows, and then leaves Muniz in like a pool of his own blood. Um, dude. I like like I like the fact that he gave up on the going for the submission. I think uh, the commentary they said, well, maybe he didn't feel like he had the darser. You know, that's why he let it go. But I thought that was interesting that you know he went and he uh, he showed great control, and then he finished the fight with strikes um, instead of saying yeah. chasing submission or you know something that showed like the good ground and pound. I thought it was great. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a, a good victory for him he in, the, in the way that he did it. Yeah, totally composed. He was so he was he was composed. Um, 
and I think Mooney's also got a little don't headbutt Paul Craig apparently um because he's gonna go run you down and do things um but him uh him just getting that takedown and then just being vicious was like his card pass was super clean everything was super clean he did in that second round like it, it was you know if he if he continues to do that he he can be a potential problem especially at middleweight where there's a guys guys that there's now finally good grapplers being inserted into middleweight but like you know look at the champ the champ is not a grappler right does the champ want to go and scramble um with someone like paul craig probably not you know um I'm happy for him. He should be ranked off this. Muniz was ranked 14 um, the day of the fight. Tomorrow, Tomorrow's Tuesday, so those rankings will, when you guys are listening to us, the UFC's rankings will probably already be out. Um, he should probably be at 14 or 15 at that point. I'm going to say probably 14, and then Muniz is probably going to get removed and probably slide someone else in. Um, I think they should. Paul Craig is 35. Um, he's got a pretty big audience his face-offs is great he can he can put asses in seats in europe if the ufc gets behind him um i think they should have him fight up the rankings i like him fighting jack hermanson or brendan allen um brendan allen wants a fight he's calling out robert whitaker robert whitaker's coming off loss you know brendan allen has beat andre muniz that's kind of what got him inserted into the top 15 and then he beat bruno silva someone that's not ranked in the top 15 so i think either one of those fights makes sense both of those dudes like to grapple too so this is another test um another test of paul craig's bjj i think both of those are good uh potential matches you know they're um did he bring up the bow nickel whether that would ever happen or not it's intriguing he brought it up. He said he would like to fight Bo Nickel. He called him out in the uh, post-fight, the post-fight uh, press conference. He said, "I'd like to fight Bo Nickel." UFC's not going to make that fight, um, yeah. but not mad at him for trying. Right, good on him. Smart because everybody's talking about Bo Nickel, so why not just throw your name into the hat? And now people are, you know, and and maybe it does happen. Shit, who knows? Let me ask you a question. Would you like to see it? Of course. It's Bo Nickel and it's right. Paul Craig, you know? Hell yeah. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, screw it, right? I think it'd be I think it'd be great. I think the UFC won't make it. Um would I don't think Paul Craig's gonna turn down any fight, and I don't think Bo Nickel's gonna be turning down a fight against someone like that either. Um, I think the only person that'd be stopping it would be the UFC. I don't think the UFC would let that happen. But, dude, I, I could be wrong. I mean, shit, I'm wrong every time you guys listen to this with some sort of pick or something. So, could happen. <laughs> well, I think the prospect of it is it would be uh, intriguing and it would be fun. Stylistically, I think it would be fun matchup. Totally. For sure. Can but I like I, I like the Hermanson. I like that call for sure. Um I like Brendan Allen too. I just almost feel like he's going to fight up further up. But to your point, he did beat Mooney's. They both have a common opponent. So it would make sense that they um they they battle it out. And a win over Bruno Silva just doesn't mean anything for the rankings. Like it just doesn't for, for right. me personally, and I don't think it would to the matchmakers either. And Brendan Allen's younger. If he were to lose, you know, whatever, there's still time to grow. And if you were to beat someone like Paul, you know, Paul Craig, 
that's another name. Um, and that'd be great for his career. And then Hermanson, we kind of already know where we're at with him. Right. You know where he stands. Um, all right. Wrapping up out with the old, we'll go ahead and move on to the second segment of the show called What's Hot. And we're only going to talk about one subject today, and it's going to be the future of the men's heavyweight division with a big win this past weekend from Tom Aspinall. And we got Cyril Gon tweeting. We got John Jones tweeting back about this. I think there's a little bit to talk about here. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. Someone that we have not talked about is Jalton Almeida and Curtis Blades. If Jalton Almeida goes out there and submits Curtis Blades, that is going to put him right up there, in my opinion, with Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. Um, and then we've got Gone up there too. I put Gone up there as well. So we've got a lot of contenders here. John Jones has easily submitted Zero Gone. We're going to remove that. Um, but what if Spivak gets an impressive win over Gone? Um, there's just a lot of moving parts at heavyweight. Tom Aspinall seems to be probably the biggest name up there right now. So he's probably going to have the most favoritism, but matches to make and, and what you think about heavyweight, like, do you think John Jones even sticks around after he, you know, say he beats Stipe? Do you think he sticks around? I'm not sure. It takes a lot. It seems like it's, uh, he hasn't been fighting often. And it takes a long time to make fights for him, right? That's what it's, that's kind of what's been happening since he's been back. Um, I think there's a tipping point that's going to happen in the division because there are uh, some really talented younger contenders that are all coming into their prime. You know, with Aspinall, Almeida, um, Pavlovich, obviously, um, Spivak is, you know, the polar bear is definitely. Um, he's got a big fight coming up against Gon. So there's younger guys. Um, there's younger guys that are just knocking on the door. And to your point, the exciting thing is that it's going to make for a lot of good fights between those guys as well. Um, not just, you know, uh, fights for the, for the championship. Um, but your question, do I think Jones is going to walk away? Um, I sure as hell wouldn't want to fight Pavlovich. <laughs> um, or, 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 or Aspinall or, yeah. And, and to be honest, I mean, this, you know, I might be in the minority here, but I'm, I think that Stipe fight might be better than people think. Might oh, no, I agree. Now. I agree with you. I think Stipe can give John Jones a lot of problems, um, especially with his boxing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think he can be out wrestled. DC was able to out wrestle him. John Jones is even bigger. And I think he, you know, is just as good of a wrestler as DC is in MMA. So I could see him kind of winning that one. But um, John Jones has done so much like Pavlovich or Aspinall. Like, do you consider Pavlovich more dangerous of an opponent than Stipe? I sure as hell do. Yeah. The one punch power. Um, like, I would be concerned about fighting him and same as Aspinall you know right um a guy like Spivak that you know I, I think Spivak might beat Cyril Gon 
Um, just because of Cyril Gon's deficiencies with the grappling, Spivak has shown that he can grapple. He's gotten more confident. Would would not be surprised if he went out there and and laid on Gon and and, and submitted him. Um, would not would not surprise me at all. I think if someone like Spivak can have a big win or Jelton Almeida have a big win, I think those are probably more favorable matchups for someone like not saying that they're winnable or he's going to hundred percent win them or anything. But I think guys like that would, you know, if Jelton Almeida goes out there and submits Curtis blades right away and has a lot to say, I, I would think John Jones would probably want to take a fight like that, mm-hmm. but he's, there's no reason for him to ruin his legacy with such a big, the risk and reward fighting Tom Aspinall for him um, or Sergey Pavlovich or, or any of those other guys is, yeah, and the biggest reward may be someone like Tom Aspinall, you know, because he is he is probably the biggest name out of all those guys. But um, there's definitely a lot of turmoil and commotion. Um, I'm excited. Like, is this the best men's heavyweights been? I, I don't like. I'd say it's a super exciting time for it, for sure. And in pretty to, effing good. And to your well, to your point, Dev. Um, you know, as far as legacy, right? Beating Stipe means something. People regard Stipe as, you know, some say he's the greatest heavyweight of all time, you know? Totally. And, and that, that is, uh, you know, a feather in the cap, so to speak, for, for Jones. And, and it would be a good, a good win to get. Um, but after that, you know, to your point, the up-and-comers um, that don't have that legacy, what does he stand to gain from that? Because um, he can, you know, he can. Um, he definitely has a lot to to risk. He got the he got the belt, defended against Stipe. Um, if he gets that victory, you know that would be that would be um, you know great for his legacy. But I'm with you. I think that I think that he would be a good time to. He already took his risk against the big, athletic, not not super popular heavyweight in Siragon. Like that was going to be his, that was, that was the risk he took. He took his one risk and John Jones is smart. And that fight was kind of bizarre. I mean, that didn't tell yeah, us much totally. about Jones. And it also made you question everything about Gon. Like that was a very odd fight. More questions got asked than answers. Like it, it was a very weird fight, but that is also <laughs> kind of what like it, yeah, we we literally got fights over and now we just have more questions, but that's dope. You know, that just makes it exciting because, you know, what happens when John Jones has to kickbox with someone for, right. more, for more than a round and a half um, at heavyweight? We might never know because he may hit that same duck under and take everyone down that he fights. We don't know. I'm right. here to find out. I don't know if we'll be finding out. Um, I'm I'm thinking that John Jones probably beats Stipe as much as I like Stipe. I'm thinking John Jones beats him and then goes away for a long time, tries to pretend to do some sort of contract dispute, saying I will fight Pavlovich or Aspinall for a, a butt ton of money. It doesn't happen. And then they do some sort of vacant or interim title fight maybe around this time of next year so maybe july august maybe they'll international fight week just happened so i could see a vacant heavyweight title fight being on the roster um top of the card if they need it next year for international fight week that's kind of what it looks like for me um so if you are tom aspinall or any of the other contenders there 
like if you're you, a lot of them are having matches or just had fights that just got finished but go get one more big ass win right and and um campaign for for a vacant title fight because it's more than likely to happen um cool so we'll, we'll go ahead i'm sorry dev what do you think the timeline is for that because you know like you mentioned i think aspinall is definitely going to have one more fight we're, we're talking minimum you know four to six months right and then um you're talking a year maybe fight week next year is that uh potentially for some type of uh that's why fight in, yeah interim or vacant at heavyweight i could see john beating stipe going mia again you know going right. mia saying hey i'll fight whoever whoever for a ton of money and then not and not happening so i think whoever gets one more you know jalton almeida has a fight coming up again pavlovich um gone have a fight but man i i don't want to i don't like when the ufc bashes their toys into each other with aspinall and pavlovich but if they do that you know winner of that if, if Tom Aspinall and Sergey Pavlovich fight, whoever wins that needs to be fighting for a belt next. Absolutely. Um, if, if not, um, if not, I do see that, you know, next year, International Fight Week, there's probably going to be a heavyweight title fight on the line, and it's probably going to be for a vacant belt. Um, cool. So let's move on to um, our next and final segment of the show. And with the new, we're here to talk about UFC 291. Quite frankly, that's the star of this show that we're doing right now um great wins on the past weekend but we're here to move forward start off with kevin holland versus michael chiesa i think this fight is going to be fun i think it's going to be interesting kevin holland always shows up to scrap same as chiesa um tell me the odds okay We've got right now uh, the latest odds. Kiesa is the dog at plus 127, and we've got Holland at uh, favorite minus 141. Tight. Um, I'm think, and I like it. Um, Kevin Holland is coming off of. Uh, he did get beat up pretty badly by Wonder Boy. He also broke his hand in that fight, and that's something that I don't know if if people are remembering or something that um, is being talked about enough. Um, the handbrake, and then he knocked out Santiago Ponzinibbio. Before all, you know, before before his loss to Stephen Thompson, he lost to Hamzat Chemaev, but that is just going to happen because that's Hamzat Chemaev. I'm just like, right now, it's, he's not on Habib level, but like if you're immediately getting taken down and ground and pounded or subbed by Hamzat, I put that on the same level as like, well, you know, do you use tons of Habib tape study? to pick a fight probably not um when it comes to kevin holland he's a super long and lengthy dude he's got good striking he's super durable we've seen him take a ton of damage from bigger dudes at 185 um we've seen him take a tons of damage from wonder boy thompson probably the best kickboxer on the card unfortunately we're not breaking or in the ufc um unfortunately we're not breaking down stephen thompson but he is on this card as well um huge reach i think he's he's Definitely has the longest reach um, at welterweight. Good power, throws good straight punches. He has that whippy kinetic, like tall guy, tall guy power. Um, lots of knockouts. He hurts everybody. Um, that that choke he got on uh, Tim Means was like club and sub, super dope. When it comes to Kiesa, we haven't seen that dude fight been what is it two and a half years yeah his his lost his unanimous decision lost to sean brady that was november 20th of 21 prior to that he lost 
um, Bravo Choke, Vincente Luque. That was also in August of 21. Um, he was on a four-fight winning streak at 170 prior to all that. Carlos Condit, submission Kimura with one arm. That was pretty cool. RDA, Neil Magny, and then those two losses. What Kiesa does, first off, he's a huge welterweight, and I don't know how that dude ever made lightweight. Um, what he does really well is he, he's a guy that just, his game is weird because he's, he's definitely probably done better than a lot of people have ever expected him to do. Um, but he's a good grappler. Doesn't have the best takedowns. His top side grappling is good. He's huge. He's strong as shit. He's relentless. Um, he's got good submissions. That submission over Benil Darius is, is definitely, uh, you spoke about feathers and caps. Um, if this fight, Kevin Holland has definitely been way more active than Kiesa, and I think that's benefits someone like Holland, especially with his style and his mentality. Um, Kiesa, what is he, 35 now? Not fighting in two and a half years. Um, he got out grappled by Sean Brady, but, you know, he definitely had tons and tons of success in the third round of that fight, piecing Brady up. Brady was gassed, um, almost got finished there by Kiesa. This is definitely a, a Styles fight. I'm curious to see how it goes. I think Kevin Holland can potentially have some problems here. Um, he's been taken down and held down by guys. He's willing to be active off of his back, too. If Kiesa does not get the takedowns going and does not get on top of Holland, he's going to get pieced up. He's going to probably get, if he has to strike with Holland, he's going to get knocked out, I think. Um, but I think, I think Kiesa's going to take him down and grind on him. Um, I think his Travis Luter black belt makes him a willing BJJ player. And Kevin Holland does not have good takedown defense. And against big, strong dudes, he's had problems. And Kiesa is a welterweight that has moved up from lightweight. But you stand him next to Marvin Vittori and uh, probably about the same size. Kiesa's huge. I'm laughing because the note I have writ written down here is, can Holland piece up Kiesa before the fight hits the ground? Question mark. That's what, honestly, though, that's what this whole fight is about. Yeah. Um, and can he do it? Yeah. Can he hit him with a one-two and crush him the same way, like a similar? Well, he's you know, accurate, too. Oh, dude. Long and accurate. Long and accurate. He he has, and he's such a gamer. Like, Holland is such a, he's such a gamer. Like, he is willing to just get in there and take damage. Um, his striking defense deficiencies will not be exposed in this fight. Um but if he can just go and get on the front foot and throw sharp one-twos down the pocket and keep Kiesa behind a jab, that's how he wins this fight. Kiesa needs to get the takedowns and just press his, gra press his grappling, make it dirty, get him against the cage, take him down, wear on him. Kevin Holland has a pretty good gas tank. Even mm -hmm. in this, even in, you know, he started to get tired and, and weathered, but he had a broken hand and took tons of damage from Wonderboy. Um, but, man, I just see, you know, there's been fights where he's been taken down and he just has had no answers. He did hit a, a nice Granby roll. I'm going to give him, you know, tons of credit for scrambling with Chemayev for 15 seconds. Um, but Kiesa's also relentless. It's not going to be just, you know, can he avoid one grappling exchange? That's Kiesa's only path to victory in this fight. Kiesa knows that. 
he has to press his wrestling. Um, it's tough to pick a guy that's been gone for two and a half years, a guy that has a great job on the UFC desk that probably doesn't really need to be fighting. Um, but it's I think 35. That's 35. Like, if he wins this one and hangs him up and does like a Paul Felder thing in the future, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm just, I just think Holland may have a ceiling when it comes to big grapplers. Um, and we haven't seen him really fight one of those guys yet at 170. Um, and Kiesa is kind of one of those guys there. And he won, he beat Neil Magny in a Neil Magny fight up against the cage, making things gross, making things dirty, wrestling, scrambling. Like, I don't see, I just don't see how he doesn't try to do that against Kevin Holland. Well, it's not recency bias necessarily, but the, the Wonder Boy fight, um, well, let me go back uh, to this point. Holland was getting taken down and held down and losing, and it was a well-known issue, and um, it was a big deal. And didn't he, uh, didn't he go out and train with, uh, with DC for a minute there or something? Like he was, he was trying to address it. it. He yeah. was offered it, but the, the, no one's pressed him on it. You know, if you if you look at his recent opponents, Kevin Holland's recent opponents, like no one has the last people that have pressed the grappling on him. I mean, yeah, he knocked out Jacare in, in that weird exchange, but Derek right. Brunson and Marvin Vittori were the last two dudes to like, outside of Hamzat Chemaev, like the last dudes to really press a grappling, like a grappling game on him. Um, and they both had tons of success. And I just, you know, is is Kiesa as big and strong as those guys? No, they're a weight class up, but Kiesa's a better grappler and wrestler than Marvin Vittori. It sounds like you're leaning towards Kiesa a little I'm bit. All, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm picking Kiesa in this fight. I'm on Kiesa. Um, what about you? You picking Kiesa too? I think it's, I can see it, um, you know, it comes down to that question. Just can he, it's tough without see, having seen uh, Kiesa recently. And by recently, I mean in the last two years. <laughs> um, this, you know, is he going to add any new wrinkles? Like you, you wouldn't necessarily expect him to. Um, but his strengths are, I can see how strengths could be definitely uh, beneficial in the spite uh, when weighed against Holland's weaknesses. Um, but Holland does have maybe a little bit more of that, that length and that um, uh, the, da the dangerous component to, to it, I think. So I'm leaning Chiesa. I mean, I, I am. And um, yeah. I think I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, dude, that should be a good one. Um, I'm I'm ex I'm excited about it. Uh, we're gonna move on to the probably the fight with the closest odds on this card. We have Alex Pereira versus Jan Blahovich. Tell me the odds, Greg. It's essentially a pick. Not, it's uh, Jan's uh, minus one ten, and Pereira is a plus one hundred seven. So these two guys. Um, there's a lot of guys that I like that I consider like some of my favorite fighters to watch, like Bobby Green's on this card. Um, Jan Blachowicz is one of my favorite fighters to watch. Alex Pereira is another one of my favorite fighters to watch. Dustin and Justin. Um, this is an interesting fight. And if Jamal Hill would have been injured like a month and a half ago, this would probably be a vacant title fight. But it's only three rounds. Something that we do need to talk about is this is at elevation. Um, something that, that also might play a factor for Holland and Kiesa. 
Kiesa is from where I'm from. Um, I live just outside of Spokane. Kiesa's from Spokane. Holland's from Texas. You know, we don't have Salt Lake City elevation here, um, but you can definitely drive up in the mountains within 20 minutes and be at very similar elevation. Um, so that could play play a factor here. Um, Jan Blachowicz has been in Salt Lake City for quite a bit. Hera's been there for a couple of weeks now, too. I think Jan's been there. I mean, you could go look at his Instagram. I think he's been there three, four weeks now almost. Jan's been there quite a while. So these guys are getting acclimated. Um, two big power punchers, Alex Pereira, the former middleweight champion, just coming off on pretty vicious knockout loss to, to Israel Adesanya in, in a fight that even though was terribly, in my opinion, wrongfully scored for um Izzy in the first round um back in April he was just violently knocked out though um I thought he was cruising on Israel quite frankly and that before Izzy you know caught him in that exchange but violent knockout was not a TKO this was not some sort of like you know get up and protest he was out for a while um before that you know he he won the belt off Israel Adesanya and that in that fifth round TKO stoppage, knocked out Sean Strickland, decision against Bruno Silva, and and got that jump knee against Andres Michalides. Those are his UFC fights. Jan Blachowicz has been around the UFC for many, many years at this point. Um, Jan Blachowicz, an- another dude that's a good kickboxer. Um, he's coming off of a, a, a another kind of title fight against Magomed Ankalaev that was a, a split draw. Um, both of these guys... Both of them have crazy left hooks. Alex Pereira, especially. Um, Alex Pereira was huge too. I'm gonna assume he's probably the heavier dude. He's six foot four. Jan Blachowicz is six foot two, but Jan Blachowicz is, is these are both big, big giant men. Um, Pereira's game is is not a nuts and bolts game, but he's definitely way more one dimensional than Jan Blachowicz. Um, his left hook is something of terror he is a frightening individual anyone he touches with that um it's it's like being shot with a freaking poison dart you get hit with that and you just die um something that is kind of not talked about enough mostly by fans definitely analysts are talking about this but uh alex Pajara's kicking game um his leg kicking game is what he uses to break opponents down that's what he you know, you look at their third fight, their first MMA fight with him and Izzy Pajero. Izzy came out and said, that's the reason why I got knocked out. I couldn't have my feet under me. Um, Pajero loves to break people down and use his kicks to set up his offense. Um, he'll throw delayed kicks. He'll throw kicks that don't come at with full power, and he will still crush and brutalize people's legs. Um Izzy gave him props for that. Sorry to jump in depth, yeah. but uh, Izzy gave him props for that in that fight. And if you remember, Izzy was in pretty, a pretty bad shape. Um, oh, yeah. Likewise. And then he asked him to teach him how to throw that because it's, uh, you know, there's no there's no warning. Um, Behera just whips that out. And to that point, um, not to derail the conversation here, but in the Ankalaya fight, I mean, Ankalaya could barely stand. And uh, Jan was uh, is also good, very good at low kicks. Jan Blahovich probably has the best kicking defense in the UFC. He's and this is another thing that is I, I mean, Jan Blahovich's kick checking game is incredible. Um, 
the way the dude shut down Israel's kicking game was mm-hmm. phenomenal in his fight with Israel Adesanya. Jan Blachowicz still to this day is the only person on the roster to cleanly out kickbox Israel Adesanya. Was it close? Very close. If you listen to it with commentary, you will think that they're 10-8 rounds for Israel Adesanya, but Jan Blachowicz outstruck outstruck Israel Adesanya for three rounds before he had to incorporate his wrestling. He could have done it for two more. He was already up on the scorecards. Um, anyway, they and Alex Pereira is also a great kick checker. He was in the second in the second MMA fight. He checked a kick from Izzy, and that it shit ruined Izzy. So they both have incredible kick leg kicks. Both have an incredible check kick checking game. Um, Jan Blachowicz is a better body kicker, much better body kicks. That's how that's what he did to dismantle um, and really interrupt Dominic Reyes's offense. Um, Jan Blahovich is also very dangerous on clinch breaks. If you look how he knocked out mm-hmm. Luke Rockhold, he will crash. What worries me about Jan Blahovich in a fight like this is if you look at if you look at Jan Blahovich's fight with Thiago Santos, where he got knocked out, where he just recklessly ran in and crashed the pocket just because he didn't really have any ideas in a, in a moment he didn't need to do that, where he got counterpunched and knocked out by Thiago Santos. Alex Pajera's step back left hook off the back foot is freaking nuts he's alex pajara can throw punches off the back foot he can reset and throw shots um but alex pajara is a better kickboxer than jan blovich in my opinion i think jan blovich could probably have a kickboxing match with alex pajara but something we haven't talked about is the wrestling um and i don't see why jan blovich just doesn't try to take pajara down and even Pereira being a big six foot four, six foot five, two hundred and forty pound man may get back up. Don't see why he won't just get taken back down again. And if both of these dudes are impacted by elevation and one dude is on top of the other dude, I'm pretty sure the dude on bottom is gonna be more tired, especially if the dude on bottom has only been wrestling or grappling for two years. Valid points. You know, the durability is a question. I If this fight was six months uh, from when Pajara got knocked out, I might feel differently about it. Um, that was such a bad knockout. To be fighting this soon after, it's surprising, especially against legendary Polish power. You know, you've got a, um, a, a power puncher, basically, right? So what's uh, how's Pajara's chin going to be? That's a number one question. And His then he has always been susceptible to this is not the first fight he's been hurt in. he was hurt. He right. was almost knocked out by Izzy. He's been hurt in all of his kickboxing bouts. He's, you know, stung by Bruno Silva, who is a pretty hard puncher. Um, Seems very soon to me um, yeah. to be back in there against someone, especially someone like this. The the one thing with Pajara, though, is that he's super dangerous. I mean, um, he he's is more super. than super. He's more than super. Jan Blahovich is super dangerous. I think he's even yeah, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally. Like you, yeah. you are literally playing with with uh, you're playing with a book of matches and gasoline if you and, are striking with him. And he's been working with Teixeira, so who's got a lot of experience with Jan, um, which you know, and I'm sure they're working on his weaknesses too, right? Um, and so that's something to be considered. I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, you know what I find interesting is if you look up any training footage of Alex Pereira, like 
he only has like videos of him like hitting pads or sparring like there's no videos of him doing like any wrestling or grappling training and it's probably just because he doesn't look good doing it and why would you release training but he just sparred a pro boxer and there's like a couple different videos like the pro boxer i forget who's who his name was was like landing a jab on him over and over again so he's been like hard spar. It's it's not that he just got knocked out, but like <laughs> fucking hard spars. So he's been like hard sparring up through this whole training camp, um, sparring pro boxers. Um, he spars another Chinese heavyweight pro boxer that's bigger than him. Um, that's a heavyweight. Like Pereira is just a madman. Um, I just there's a lot there's a lot going against there's a lot going against both guys. You know. Jan hasn't looked the best. This fight is at elevation. He's 40 years old. Pajara just got flatlined. Um, and he's fighting a dude that can grapple and wrestle. I don't see why he, like, Jan Blahovich has also progressed and fought so smart. Israel Adesanya is definitely a better tactician than Alex Pajara, I would say. Like, he has, he just has more tactical abilities when it comes to MMA. And Jan Blahovich kind of broke Izzy down, struck yeah. with him when he needed to, and then took him down when he needed to. And the way that the fifth round ended, he was in full mount. You know, another minute in that fight, he probably gets a finish. I don't think he needs to be as – he needs to be very tactful on the feet against Alex Pereira. But when it comes to grappling, like, he can take him down and be a lot more aggressive than he was with Izzy. He wasn't very aggressive. Pereira's going to be bigger than Izzy was, though. For sure. And that will matter. But I also think Para blowing up, being bigger, like that also could take a toll on his gas tank too. And then you just throw in the elevation. The dude's Brazilian and he's training in Connecticut, you know? Right. Like that's not the best place to get. Right. That's <laughs> not the best. Those aren't the best places to get elevation training. So um, it sounds like it's uh, what's Jan's game plan specifically. You know, is he gonna is he gonna try to test the chin and kickbox with them, or is he gonna try to wrestle from the jump? Because I think that's what this comes down to. He will probably. Um, I, I think what he'll probably do is I don't think he'll test the waters. I think he will only kickbox with him as means to an end. Mm -hmm. um, Jan Blahovich has a very good um, like hand fighting game. He parries a lot right. of punches. He's he's defensively sound, and he's just he still wants the title. He's not dumb. I, I just think he has more tools, and I think he'll just use his striking as means to an end to get his grappling going. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't just get like a first round submission or like a first round ground and pound finish, or even if he he takes him down for the first round controls 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 takes the wind out of his sails and then maybe opens up on the feet in the second or third round and could get a finish there or maybe just gasses him out makes him get up take him i could see jan blahovich's game taking him down controlling him making him tired and then just really you know being offensive in the second and third round i'm gonna go with jan blahovich um think he'll probably get a second round TKO or submission. I like Jan Blahovich in the second round. Um, I didn't find the line for it, but he's minus one ten, which is good odds already. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you if you're a prop better, look for Jan Blahovich round two. What about you, man? I'm torn. I think there's more paths to victory for Jan and more question marks for Pajara. But you know, it's how much do I want to weight that nuclear power that he has? Um, Jan, I mean. 
I think uh, I think I'm going to go with Jan, but I'm really interested in the fight, and I don't think it goes the distance. I think the UFC is waiting to see what happens here as well um, with the with the results of this fight. That's why we haven't heard about a vacant 205 pound belt. If 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 Alex Pereira goes out there, left hooks Jan Blahovich, knocks him out the same way he did to Sean Strickland, he will be fighting for the vacant light heavyweight belt, and the UFC would love to have a trilogy fight with Izzy up there at 205. Um, I'm glad we're both on Jan Blahovich. We've been eating sides. We've we've had we've had our broccoli. We've had our mashed potatoes. We're moving on to the filet mignon. We're moving on to the prime rib. <laughs> this is the fucking fight. Fight of the year, fight of the century, fight of your life. This is like a one in a million fight. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. This is for the BMF title. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. Um, the fans may feel one way that some people may feel another. Um, but I'm here for this fight. Jorge Masvidal is going to be there to put the belt around the winner. What are the odds, Greg? We've got Poirier favored uh, with a minus 130. And Gage is the underdog at a plus 135. This is a... Dude, this is a fight. Um, this is two dudes that are true BMFs. Jorge Masvidal was uh, went on a BMF run. These two dudes have been BMFs for a long time. Um, both of these guys are incredible. Both of these guys are action fighters. We could do a whole entire show on Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje alone going through all their tactics, what they're good at, what they're bad at, wins and losses. If you're listening to this show, I'm sure you know damn well who these guys are. I'm having a hard time picking this fight, and um, just to be fully candid with everybody, me and you have talked about this fight probably for the past two months since it's gotten made, <laughs> and we've probably yeah. talked about it like five or six times. Um, my pick has never changed, but I'm curious to see if yours has because you've told me two different people. Um, you, you gave me Justin two months ago. You told me you told me Dustin a few days ago. Um, tell me what you think and why you think that person's going to win. I'm going with Poirier. Uh, in the first fight, he showed he was a better boxer. He is a better he is a better boxer. Um, I think, you know, he needs to address the low kicks. Gagey ate him up with those. I mean, in the first fight when they went uh, when they went toe to toe, basically Poirier bo uh, boxed him up in the first couple rounds, but he ate a lot of leg kicks and he could barely stand. Um, so I think he needs to address that. Gagey in his last fight, I really liked his composure, and that's something. So a question I had for you is, um, I'm going to go with Poirier, but. Uh, what fighter has changed or improved the most, do you think, since the first time they met? You know, um, I think, I don't know if I would, I mean, I guess you could call what Justin Gaethje has done to tune his game as more of an improvement, but I don't know if that has made him like a better fighter. And people will probably say that's weird, but I'm under the belief that just Dustin Sorry, that Justin Gaethje was at his best just being a battering ram and, you know, 
he's always been willing to go out on a shield. But I'm under the belief that um, him becoming a little bit more risk averse, it worked perfect against Tony Ferguson, but I don't know if he's been able to re-channel that crazy Justin Gaethje. Um, he's definitely become more calculated. He he has a he's got he's really good at um, cutting angles. He's got great footwork. Trevor Whitman has really helped him with his footwork. He's got good looping overhands, good hooks. Look what he did, um, you know, to like James Vick and how he knocked out Barboza. He's the only dude that's ever gone kick for kick with Barboza. The dude's got the like uppercuts. His uppercuts are incredible, but his calf kicks. Like, I mean, his uppercut against Cowboy was great. His calf kicks, like, <laughs> my legs are going to hurt after the co-main event and then the main event because the co-main event has got two incredible calf kickers. And then now we got Justin Gaethje, the calf kicker of all calf kickers. The dude calf kicks people from boxing range. It's incredible. Um, he has become, um, again, more calculated but if you look at his like his fight with Fiziev, Fiziev is, is is a guy that's known to kind of maybe gas out and has lose wind out of his sails and get a little bit tired. Um, but Fiziev had tons of success in the first round with him. Fiziev is a bolt of lightning. The dude is effing fast as shit and super dynamic. He's a Tiger Muay Thai striking coach. Um, Justin Gaethje was able to stay strong and you know and continue to weather the damage and win and even get his first takedown. But if you look at his fights with like Charles Oliveira, he said he's never been hit that hard in his life. Um, he's getting hurt and touched up by guys that, you know, maybe if he would have just been a battering ram against, he would have being calculated and taking the back foot against Charles Oliveira is not going to be a way to ever beat him to just let Charles Oliveira go and do his thing. He took a lot of damage in that fight. He had moments he hurt Oliveira, but he also got hurt way worse. Um, as far as Dustin Poirier and improvement, I think Dustin Poirier's boxing has just continued to improve over and over again. But the biggest aspect of Poirier's game that has improved is his composure. His ability to take damage, stay in the pocket, and find that one shot is something that is just to behold. Like if you look at his fight, look at his fights with Conor McGregor. He's taking clean shots, staying in the pocket, countering Conor McGregor his check right hook is probably the his counter check right hook is probably the best that i've seen in the ufc i put his hook his check hook you know on the same caliber as like alex Pereira's left hook dustin pori um is a little bit more dex dexterous with his front hand he's got a good jab um he loves to switch stance he can if you look at his fight with uh bobby green he cuts an angle he's usually southpaw cuts an angle throws a one-two out of the orthodox, knocks out Bobby Green. He's definitely um, maybe not as fast as Justin Gaethje, you know, with his feet, but his hands, he's definitely got fast hands like Gaethje, great combination puncher. He is like a waterfall when it comes to throwing combinations, Dustin Poirier. He'll switch stance, he'll switch stance, throw the overhand, throw the overhand right out of the, out of orthodox his boxing combinations are great when he gets people in trouble if you shuttle up against him he'll start throwing wide hooks around the around the ears to hit you behind mm -hmm. the head that's what he did to justin gaethje after he countered he countered that calf kick um look at his fight with max holloway look at his fight his latest fight with michael chandler he was taking bombs against the cage stayed composed stayed composed crushed him with the counter shot cut the angle and then just started raining damage on him um 
I think Dustin Poirier's finishing ability has only gotten better mm -hmm. as far as, you know, when he gets you hurt is just like, it's a waterfall. It's just tons and tons of damage until you can't take it anymore. He mixes to the body well too in those combos. The body well. Yeah. Um, he'll even kick as well. I like that Dustin Poirier used his wrestling against Conor McGregor. Excuse me, in their third fight. I do like he went to his wrestling. Um, Justin Gaethje is probably a little bit more of an explosive athlete compared mm -hmm. to Dustin Poirier, but I do think Dustin Poirier is probably the better grappler all around. He has had issues with taking down his stupid guillotine jumping thing that's a, a joke. Um, is something that he, he might want to not do, but against Justin Gaethje, maybe that something like that works. Um, I'm f f what if picking if, if I were to pick Justin Gaethje in this fight, I would be worried about number one, just the, the, the damage accrued. Both of these guys have accrued a ton of damage, both of these guys are super durable. Both of them have been knocked out. Um, shit, Dustin knocked out Justin. Um, but as of lately, it's looked like Justin has been the guy to definitely get hurt more. Conor mm -hmm. McGregor's a hell of a puncher, mm -hmm. and he, Dustin Poirier, hung tough with him. Michael Chandler's a hell of a puncher. Dustin Poirier hung tough with him. I just see it, he has to address the leg kicks. Um, but when Justin takes damage, especially if you can get going on him, even still to this day, he will try to bite down and get that one back. And I just don't think anyone in this division should be having extended punching combinations with Dustin Poirier because Dustin Poirier will roll, duck, bob, weave, take your shots, stay composed. He doesn't get he doesn't get worried when he takes big shots anymore. He's realized I'm going to have to take big shots to win these fights. Look at his fight with freaking Dan Hooker. Um, I just don't, again, I don't see... Justin is going to have to knock him down multiple times, and that could happen because Dustin has been hurt. But if you if he gets into a firefight with Dustin Poirier, I could see him just getting hit again, and then Dustin Poirier just landing a you know a waterfall of shots on him. Um, I'm picking Dustin Poirier in this fight, and I think he'll probably do like a round four TKO. And mm -hmm. I think we will see some back and forth movement and momentums. I could see Dustin Poirier taking a shot and getting buzzed by it and having to take the back foot, or maybe we're like, oh shit, his legs compromised and his ability to make adjustments and find what works and, and roll with it. And he's just a winner, man. Going into the fifth round against Hooker, he's he's done this. His Max Holloway fights, he just knows how to win fights. Like Dustin Poirier is just a winner. Um and I think he has that mentality just a little bit more than Gaethje does. Do you think that, uh, well, the elevation needs to be mentioned too, I think, um, because only because Gaethje trains at elevation. Totally. Colorado, where he's at, is, is a higher elevation than Salt Lake City. And I don't like that Dustin Poirier has only been in Salt Lake City for, I think, two weeks now or a week and a half now. I think that could play, um, I think that could play a factor but I'm going to chop that up to Dustin Poirier is a true professional and he, he'll be prepared. I'm going to count on him being prepared because he's never not been prepared. Fair. Um, do you think, you know, both of these guys are 35 years old. They've bought, they both had tremendous careers. Do you think um, they're both at, you know, the top of the lightweight rankings? 
Um, do you think if one of them takes a loss, it, uh, you know, what do you think it means for either one of them? Nothing. Nothing. Because if Dustin Poirier loses this, this sets up that sets up a badass trilogy fight that they can put on a co-main, you know, somewhere down the line in the future. And if Justin loses, he's already lost to him once, you know. I guess the reason I brought that up is because I got the sense from Justin the last, uh, maybe one of his last interviews that, you know, he's going to make one one more run at it type he's of deal. Talked about, he's talked about retirement. I would not be surprised if if both of these dudes have an absolute blood and guts battle, I could see them both retiring at the same time. Like I, and would it, would it, would I be a little sad to see it? Of course, the day that just that Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier retire from MMA is going to be a sad day for me. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they was a double retirement. We both killed each other. I don't care who wins. I don't care who loses. We're both done. Um, and I could see the winner of this also challenging for the title again. Um, yeah, and, and I know that Justin Gaethje has mentioned um, retiring in the past, and then someone like Dustin Poirier, he's got a family. He's very involved with his family. He's very involved with this community. Both of these guys are very smart dudes as well. Dustin Poirier has a lot to fall back on, and he may reach a point where I only have blood and guts fights, and should my body be taking this damage over and over again? Um so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they both hung it up, man, to be honest. Well, this is a great one that we've both been looking forward to. Uh, I think everyone's been looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be a a banger. Do you think it goes, you don't think it goes five rounds then? No, I think, think it Dustin, goes four. Yeah. Yeah. You got Dustin too. You're picking Dustin in this yeah, fight. Yeah. So you're on Dustin. What do you think? I think he's going to finish him in the fourth round. Dustin, I, fight. yeah. I think it does. I think it's a finish, but I think it's a fourth or fifth round. I think uh, I don't think Gagey goes down easy. You know what I mean? And um, I think it just there might be a round there where it's looking rough, <laughs> you know. But he makes it out of it. I don't think it's going to be a quick a quick finish, but I think it's going to be a finish. Yeah, like you said, man, one for the ages, banger of a fight. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it very much. I hope you guys enjoy the fights.